What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today. Your purchase. You can purchase items from our online store or donate. And as always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely. And boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my guest today, an old friend from college, Michael Yoder. What's going on, Mike? Not a lot, man. I uh, That's quite the introduction. I don't know if they're in for a treat or not yet. Let's wait until the end of the show to, to decide that. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, well, regardless, they're in for a treat. I mean, even might be a treat from my end, you know? I mean, it could be <laughs> that just... That is true. <laughs> Dude, uh, it is really good to talk to you. One, we've been texting back and forth over the last few days here, kind of getting ready for the podcast and uh, catching up on, literally, like, I, I haven't... I knew you were into or, like, doing some things, like, with podcasting and whatnot, but I had no yeah. idea what, what all you were doing, and... um. It's it's really cool. I was looking at your website last night and kind of like walking through that and checking things out, and um, you got a lot of really cool stuff on there. Why don't you tell Thanks, everybody kind of what you're up to these days? I, I did say in the beginning, you know, we, we're friends from college. We went to old Bethel College, now Bethel University. Um, I never did. know how to like say that, you know? Like I don't feel like I went to Bethel University, you know? I went to Bethel College. <laughs> yeah. I actually work there. I'm sure we'll get into backstory. Okay. I actually work there right before it changed the university, so I never had to deal with the university either. So it's still weird. Yeah. To me. Do you do um, you just say like Bethel University now, or like I is just that say how... Bethel. We went to Bethel. Right. I went to Bethel because I I don't know. No one really even says I went to Bethel College. Maybe yeah. they did. I don't know. Yeah. But no. To answer your question, I. I'm on year three, three and a half of owning a podcast company, a nice, media company, dude. basically, that has a main focus with doing podcasts. So it's it's been a crazy, crazy wild ride. Year three. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. And what's it called? Just so people listening. Truth Work Media. Truth Work Media. And, yep. You can uh, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthworkmedia.com. So, yeah, check it out. If you guys are uh, interested in starting a podcast, it's definitely a great place to go and get some resources and utilize your services for sure. Um, yeah, what I was trying to think about this. Uh, what was your major in college? I was youth ministry, biblical studies. I thought then, you were because um, I thought we were in some classes together. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we were. The ones that I showed up to. My yeah. undergrad was kind of a joke. Um, not the classes. Let me clarify that. Classes were fine. I just treated it kind of like it was a joke. Like, uh, these yeah. are electives, right? Like, I yeah. don't have to go to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my grades reflected that somewhat. But, no, I, I learned a lot. And then I went on later. I got my master's in theology. So I'm doing zero with my degree. Yeah. But, I hey, you. I know a lot about <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I often... You know, I was talking with my wife the other day. We were just talking about, um, you know, like when we have kids or if we have kids, like how 
man, like she was a psychology major, you know? So it's like both of us were, we took this major, like I, I went into youth ministry because I wanted to be, I wanted to get a counseling degree later and mm-hmm. you know, like shit happens and here we are. But, um, yeah. and that was kind of my point. I was like, would you not discourage? Cause I don't want to ever want to like discourage my kids from doing something they want to do. But like, my thing is like, man, I'd really like to encourage them to, if they're going to go for one of those types of majors, you know, specifically like a psychology or sociology or whatever history, like make sure you get a minor that it has something to do with, like you can get a job straight out of college, you know, for sure. Or like put off college. It's it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting because we live even more so. I mean, we're both living proof of this, of like a gig economy where you can make money doing almost anything with a internet connection and a laptop. Right. And so why I, my time at Bethel was invaluable. Like I, I learned so much from that. I don't even mm. necessarily know if that's credit to classes, but just social and cognitive development in general, yeah. I think is important. But what I would inc- like, if we ever have kids, I'm going to encourage them and who the hell knows what it's going to look like in 20 years. I know. You know exactly. what college gonna, <laughs> I think it, it might be a bubble anyway. Yeah. But same. To, to say there's nothing wrong with going to, like, an Ivy Tech or... Um, no. You go, go for two years, get your gym courses done, because there's no way... Basically, taking out a college loan is you're taking a business loan out on yourself. Exactly. And if That's you exactly what it is. And say, hey, I want to take out $100,000, well, what's your idea? I'm going to go to college classes. Yeah. No. No bank is going to be like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, so right? So I would... I would probably just encourage my kids to take two years, go to a, a school that you don't pay $20,000 a year for, yeah. kind of figure out if you want to do this, and then and then by all means, do it. I, yeah. The debt-free route I, would be the best route, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Because it's, I mean, just look at our, I don't know, just look at society these days, and a lot of people in our age range, especially, um, you know, the younger the younger group kind of coming up through are, are changing things a little bit, I think. I mean... It still exists the same way as when we were there, but you know, we're a big product of, I don't know anybody that's, you know, I'm 31. So I don't know anybody that's like in their thirties, like early thirties, you know, mid thirties that doesn't have a boatload of college debt or just paying it off, you know? And the ones that are just paying it off are like the lucky ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's unless you were some kind of freak athlete and you got to go to school for free or exactly. you were like super smart. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, for sure. For but sure. there's, I mean, you also see an rise in trade schools too. Yeah, so I there's, think, and, and that's needed. Like plumbing, electricians, like there's a shortage of those things. And yeah. you can make good money doing those things. Really I think for money. a long time, society has put a stigma on those types of jobs. Like, yeah. oh, you don't want to do those. You want to go to college and get a real, a real career. Yeah. And that's just garbage. Like, yeah. that's. Those are rear, those those things make a lot of money and they're yeah. very very good careers. Well, and and not it's just one of those things. Like I I personally wish I would have gone for a trade school as well. Like I, I think I wanted the and, and one of my reasons for going to college. Uh, it's funny that I say that I went to Bethel College, but like I wanted the college experience. You know, like I wanted sure. to be able to say I went to college. I wanted to be able to yeah. go to a school because that's what you did after high school. And it, it felt like you weren't, you didn't fit in or you weren't a part of the club if you didn't go to college right out of high school. And uh, I, I look at that like I, I wanted to 
I'm still a, a people pleaser. I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser yeah. in some ways, but uh, <laughs> trying at least. But I uh, no, I just I I always wanted to like fit in and do the right like do the thing that everybody else was, and and I think that that was more of the social pressure from my end as well, and than it was like I'm excited to go get a degree because I know what I want to do when I grow up, you know. Yeah, the the re- unfortunate reality is the systems are still set up in a way that a lot of times you do have to have a degree. So the systems haven't shifted enough where no. most people are going to be like, screw it, I'm not going to get a degree. Because that's the reality is we weren't necessarily lied to, but I feel like we were told this maybe myth or this idea that you go to college, you get a degree, boom, you land a job instantly. That's just not right. how things are. Anymore. No, no, not at all. And maybe if we wanted to stick to the youth ministry route it might be a little easier in some ways but uh (laughs) i I always look at that i'm like man if i if i wanted to do that like i would like i could get a job you know there's churches are a dime a dozen like they're everywhere and uh yeah you're not interested in making twenty five thousand dollars a year for 80 hours a week yeah no no i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay Uh... Man, so as we get talking here, uh, let's go back a little ways and like let's work let's work to present day as, as quick as you kind of feel up to it. But what was your childhood like? Man, my childhood. Yeah, uh, my childhood was awesome. We I grew up in a small small town south of Fort Wayne, Indiana, 6,000 people. When I was growing up, there was only one stoplight. We've now upgraded to three stoplights in our town. Ooh, moving up in the uh, world. Look could, at you. I know. It's it's a big deal. Um, but, it, man, it was – it's like um, – it's just a quaint little town. It You could ride your bikes everywhere, very safe. Uh, we grew up – I grew up very middle class, never had want for anything. Um which I was very, I'm very grateful for how I was brought up. My my parents are still together. I don't have divorce in any of my immediate families, so yeah. it's it, it. I'm not trying to paint like rose covered pictures of me growing up, but that's kind of how it feels like. I was very fortunate. My grandparents lived close, both mm-hmm. um, both sides of my family, and we were all very close. We would go over for Sunday dinners together. We grew up classic rural middle class family. If, if that makes any sense yeah, at all. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I'm from small town Indiana as well. So, I, uh, you know, southern southern Indiana, Sullivan, Indiana. I think we had one, two, three, and maybe maybe a couple more, but, you know, under uh, under five probably, under six stoplights. But, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so like, you're triple us, man. That's, that's this is unbelievable. This is true. This is true. I know, I know. But... <laughs> I'm sure we can relate in a lot of ways. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the small town, uh, Indiana. I mean, I, I feel the same same way. Kind of like middle class. Yeah, every, uh, good. Home. Everyone knows everybody. Oh yeah. Everyone knows everyone's business. Unfortunately, good, it's a blessing and a curse. It's like it's yeah, fun. For sure, like everyone cares about each other, but then everyone cares to know about everything that's going on. Which exactly. I get. You know, it's exactly. a small town. Everyone means well. Yep. I, I'll say that yep. for the most part, everyone everyone is doing, and I think that about most people in general. Like yeah. everyone's doing the best they have with what they have. Yeah, that's that speaks well for South Bend, Indiana, where I live now, or Burn, Indiana, where I used to live. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I agree. I agree completely. It's funny because um, give my uh, old 
stomping grounds, a little shout out, but my wrestling coach from high school, his grandson just competed in the, um, the Pan Am games, uh, wrestling, nice. uh, the U15. That sounds like hunger games. Yeah. Wasn't right. The Pan Am games. Is that like, hunger I don't know games? if it's even games. I just, the Pan American <laughs> championships probably is what it's called. We'll go with, we'll go with Pan Am. Cause that sounds like, well, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, he competed in freestyle and Greco and he won gold in both. And like the town rallied behind him, you know, the Burger Kings sure. got his like, you know, congrats lane, you know, and, um, you know, they had like a little gathering when he got back into town, like surprised him, like everybody just kind of rallied behind. And I think that's the beauty of the small town. You know, that's like one of the positives is like, you've got this pride, you've got this, everybody takes pride in, in your successes. Um, and sure. that, unfortunately they revel in your failures as well, but, um, it's, it's just part of the, part of the gig, I guess. Um, Absolutely. what, what were your interests? Did you, were you interested in like athletics music nature movie like what were your things that you enjoyed when you were younger yeah so i'm not gonna skirt around this uh i was your classic jock so i did i lettered in four sports uh, now that's not saying a lot because yeah we're very small town but any sport i could be involved in i was going to be involved with and i also did theater like i was in fiddler on the roof i was in band i was really into computers so i was on the tech team like uh Nice. It really, it, it sounds crazy, but anything I could get my hands on, I yeah. was going to do, except choir. I was never in choir. That never really interests me. Even though the arts, the later, the older I get, like the more I wish I would have invested time in arts. Yeah. And I, that's kind of what my company does now is we create art. That's what you're doing. Yeah. That's what a lot of people do. They just don't know it is create art. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things like I. it doesn't matter now that I played football, but I wish I could play my guitar better. You know, yeah. It, Isn't it funny, like the things it, you put like stock in when you're younger, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's all you know. I want to be the coolest dude in school. Who uh-huh. cares, man? Yeah, like, right. It's such garbage. But you know, that's the mentality of a 15 year old. I'm, I'm not gonna fault my 15 year old self for, <laughs> for being that person. Yeah, for sure. I and, fault my 33 year old self if I still lived in that mindset. <laughs> I would say, thankfully, thankfully, hopefully, I moved past some of that. Yeah, I'm sure you have. We all, we all do. I've, I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but I think it's interesting and, and kind of funny when you look back at like high school, college days. You know, uh, what's the difference? Like, for me, I've been trying to figure out. Like, man, I've changed so much. Like, why do I feel stressed differently? Why do I like? Why am I? you know, so like a ball of nerves sometimes or anxious about different things. And, you know, like a college and high school, you're like, you had those, those different anxieties, those different nerves, but they were about like social things, you know, they were just so trivial now when you look back. And I think there's like this shift, obviously it's, it's a maturity, but now we have responsibilities. The consequences to not paying your rent or your mortgage is like, monumental you know like so having money and making sure your income comes in it's like just a complete shift mental shift as you get older i think for me i look back on the ways i've changed in high school and a lot of college like i screwed around a lot like i would love the joke and i still do Mm -hmm. love the joke love to have a good time but the shift that i've noticed is and i don't think it's I don't think really anything's always 100% positive or negative is I've started to take things more seriously Mm -hmm. um, and try not to joke around as much. And I think with that comes negativity. Uh, 
that just looks differently and the consequences are yeah. differently than screwing around and joking all the time. I'm not pulling pranks on people like I did in high school and college, but at the same time, like, do I take myself too seriously? You yeah. Know? And so like, where's, where's the balance? Where's the line for that? And that's, it's tough. I think as I've shifted into adulthood, I've, I've noticed that change in myself for the good and the bad. Yeah. It's tough. It's a balance. I, I'm all about, I think life's a balance. I just think like, you know, like there's the extremes. I don't know that we're ever really supposed to live in any side of a, of an extreme. It's just like, there's a balance For to everything, sure. you know, like whether it's your diet to the amount of inner phone and, uh, you know, things we screen time that we have, like there's a balance to everything. I mean, the most trivial things are the most elaborate, you know, terrible things, whatever. But I just think we need to live a little bit more in a balance, but yeah, I, I swing a lot. Like Same. things, I try to intentionally find things that are pissing me off or making me have mood swings or <laughs> yeah. how I feel about things, and then eliminate those. So yeah, I've lived without. I've got rid of Instagram for like the last six months. Facebook, I deactivated my account. Twitter is the only social media that I have now, outside of LinkedIn, which is a bunch of people loving on each other for business things. Very weird. But, yeah it is an interesting uh, platform isn't it it's like all humble bragging that's yeah. all linkedin is is yeah. a bunch of middle class people humble bragging to each other it's still um, like this pop it's still <laughs> this like popular uh like platform though which is interesting i, I listened to gary v gary varnerchuk oh yeah uh big fan and uh he's he's talked he's about great. you know linkedin a lot and how like you got to use it and so for i sure. post things on there okay. for sure. i was sitting in some Sorry to cut you off. I was oh, sending fine. some social media training, and they said, you know, for a lot of companies, if you're not on LinkedIn, you don't exist. Yeah. I actually just uh, I presented at a business conference about a month ago, and the person that went before me, we were having lunch. And she's like, oh, add me on Facebook. We'll connect. I was like, oh, I don't have Facebook. <laughs> and she goes, try again. You can't be a business owner and have Facebook. And immediately, what, several things, like, I was like, well, watch me. I'm yeah, yeah. Facebook, and I'm going to own a business, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to do it freaking well. Yeah. I just, I think Facebook's garbage, especially with, we don't need to get on a tyrant about Facebook and social media, but with Go all the it. crap going on about the ads and our uh-huh. data, if, yeah. do you know much about, so if you look at all the wealthiest companies in the world, it used to be oil, and yep. now it's Google Facebook, Amazon, it's all data driven. Yep. So our data is the most, it has the most worth of anything in the world, I know. any commodity. I know. And so I'm going to do the best I can to protect that. And people can say, well, I don't care about my data. You will. I promise you. Yeah, you we will. I, I've, man, I still have all of those things, obviously. Um, most people that are listening know that. But I, like the, I have one of those, or I got a couple of those, like, Echoes or whatever for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, I know it maybe isn't much different than having a phone, but... For sure. Like, I don't... I Like, I can't set them up. There's just something about it that I'm like, ah, I just don't want people... Like, I just don't want that listening at all. Like, there's not even anything bad that's happening. It's just like, ah, it's just not, not your place. Like, don't... That's yeah, too much. It's, it's a weird juxtaposition for me because I love technology. Yeah. I always have. And I want to be on the cutting edge of everything. I want to have every social media. I want to be so connected. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's unhealthy. 
I, I think it's unhealthy for the data they're getting. I think it's unhealthy for me to be on my screen a lot. I'm saying this stuff for me. Yeah. I'm not going to project this on anyone else. I think it's unhealthy for me to see the, like little things like people hanging out with other people and me like, oh, why didn't I get an invite to that? Right. That's the dumbest thought that should never enter my mind. You're right. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I should be completely comfortable with who I am Oof. and the people I get to hang out with and surround myself with. I don't need social media feeding me lies. I think a lot mm. of times I read into things on social media that don't even exist. And that's why I was like, you know what? This is just, this is silly. I'm, yeah. I'm done with this for a while. You and I are uh, a lot alike, Mr. Yoder. <laughs> there is, uh, you've, uh, you mentioned think, like I, <laughs> athletics, like, I was in band, I was in, uh, you know, theater, I was in, I didn't do the computer stuff, but, like, I was involved in a bunch of different things, like, I'm, I'm the exact same way, like, I overthink everything, especially when I see something, like, directed towards me, or, you know, whatever sure. it is, I just, I'm, like, a mental case sometimes, and those things affect my mood, I've also been trying to kind of limit some of those things, other than I still have the, the social media accounts, but it's, like, well, it's not it's not just us either. Like psychology tells us that our brain latches onto anything negative. So you yeah. can get one thousand positive things thrown at you in a day and they just slide off. Ugh. But if yeah. one negative thing or one negative comment gets thrown at you, we naturally grab onto that. Yeah. And that sticks with us. So it's it. not just you or me that deals with this. This yeah. is something that psychologically everyone deals with. Uh. And so we have to actively be like literally training ourselves to not have that happen and it's hard it's yeah. shitty yeah i i honestly i made a big shift when i started crazy face uno you know it started off i the like motto or the little you know catchphrase was uh um to do good and make a difference in our local and global community inspiring others to do good and make a difference in our local and global community and like that's still a, a part of the mission statement of crazy face uno but um when I first did that, it was like a, a shift in my brain, you know, like I have to now, I was like now thinking through the lens of like, man, I can't flip that guy off at the, you know, that cut me off on the road, you know, like legitimately, I, I know that sounds like terrible, but like I get, I get so frustrated on the road and like driving and, um, it's something that I have to consciously like check myself with. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm like everybody else that we're like everybody else out there, you know? And, um, I know that maybe that's not your thing that ticks you off but there's other things and uh flying off the handle about whatever being emotional about something you know it's like looking at things through a different lens of that positivity and when you start doing good what i've noticed is like when i started like actively making changes this is a whole tangent i guess but like i just noticed this big difference in you knew me in college and I was just very interested and very wanted to be involved in, um, social justice and like giving back sure. and like, and it's not that that's changed. Um, the theme of my life is I just want to help people, you know, like that's honestly, it's, you look at any of the jobs I've worked in special education and I loved it. Um, I worked as a caregiver. I've, I've done all these different, you know, giving back and helping people type jobs. But, um, there's like, something that switched in my brain a little bit and you know mentioned that in the beginning of this uh, mental shift as you get a little older and your focus is kind of change but um I, I just kept thinking like what's why don't I want to go hang out with the homeless people anymore like why don't I look at them and 
have that empathy that I used to have. Not that I don't have it. It's just, it looks different. Um, what's the change and whatever it is. And I don't know that I have an answer for that, but as I've, you know, kind of gone down this road and ventured into this world of making the conscious choice of, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best version and try to help others like see that like you can do good and and make a difference and see how those changes affect myself. And I've noticed it big time for my own self. It's like, man, it feels good to do good. And there's nothing wrong with that. For sure. And I want to press into that a little bit. I said, I know you said you don't know if you have an answer or not, but why, what can you pinpoint shifted where you don't want to go hang out with the homeless person? Yeah. I don't know that it's that I don't, um, I think I'm a community in like a, a like driven person. Like I, I even struggle with this now. I mean, I, I don't know if you work from home, but I work from home. Uh, so I stay home during the day and sometimes it's like hard for me to leave the house. Last week I had a rough week to be completely honest. And four out of the five days of the week, the, you know, Monday through Friday, I didn't leave the house other than taking the dog out for a walk. And I got to Friday and I was like, shit, like I haven't left the house today. I haven't left the house in four days. Like that's, I've just been here. And, uh, I don't know. I think that the, the crew that I ran around with in college and, you know, I've just, I've been this social person and, um, I like having this support and I think it's been something that I've been challenging myself, but I think my own confidence in myself um, and making decisions not based on like getting affirmation that what I'm doing is okay, but that like I know what I'm doing as well. Um, I don't know. I think I've been challenging myself on being confident in myself. Um, I like that. Yeah. I so I don't I don't really have an I really don't have an answer. I still very much That's care okay. about those those different groups of people. It's just shifted and. Um, I think that I, I've seen, you know, our mainstream media, I've had a, I've had a huge issue. I've railed on this for so long, but I just don't like it. Um, you know, it goes back to what you were saying, this like negativity and this, like these yeah. negatives and this, this like fear based crap that just permeates through our society and I just I just avoid it that's one of those things that I avoid you know like you were talking about Facebook and Instagram some of those different things like I just avoid I don't watch the news I hate it I'll hit my like Apple uh top five you know whatever the Apple news deal just to see like is there anything that's that I need to like be uh aware of you know um but outside that like I just I just it doesn't help me throughout the day it doesn't I don't need that. It's just not something I need in my life. And, um, so just being, finding positivity and, uh, I don't really know where I was going with that conversation. No, I love it. You said something earlier that I want to come back to. You said something along the lines of finding value in what you do and your work, Mm. basically, I think. And that's being confident in your work. And that's something I had to, when I left, and I don't know where we're taking this conversation or like, um, literally like if we're going to get back to like growing up and then going <laughs> to Bethel and my, my career trajectory. But when I left Bethel the second time after working there, 
I left like everything behind. I left my career. I yeah. left basically my evangelical upbringing. Um, I left, and that I mean, still like I'm I'm year three in, and I'm finally at a place where I'm comfortable saying I'm not a pastor anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like I still care. Like I have a <laughs> I'm a card carrying pastor. Yeah. I still marry people sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. my identity for so long was wrapped up into how's my ministry doing? Mm. I don't even know what the hell that means. Um, yeah. But it took me a long time to be okay with exactly who I was and my career. And I think for guys, a lot of times we get so wrapped up into what we do is who we are. And I think that's just a garbage mentality. It's, yeah. it's toxic and it's just not true. Yeah, I was talking to Calvin Walterhouse uh, this last July. Whenever I was back, we we had came back to South Bend, Mishawaka area, and and got to see that group of of guys, the the guys yeah. I hung out with a lot. Uh, got some podcasts, so if you're listening, go check those out. They're they're pretty fun, little shorter ones. But um, it's the Bethel the Bethel, Bethel Crew podcast, right? yeah, the Bethel Boys series, and uh, yeah, right. yeah, I was talking with Calvin, and he he made this comment of, you know, he's traveled around the world quite a bit and, and been out. He's like, in America, we put so much value in, um, the work you do, you know, of like, well, that's the first question you ask. Like, what do you do? You know, I did it today. Yeah. Like I, I, it's just part of our society. It's, it's this, we put our stock in who we are, our value in the thing that we do, which has been tough because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me say it, but the, I'm supported by my wife right now. I don't, I'm not currently making any money through this venture. That's the goal. That is the, you know, aim that I'm, I'm going for. But, um, right now and just saying that and knowing that like, man, I am fully dependent upon my wife and, you know, it's awesome. She's kicking ass and taking names and, you know, for how long society has been this male driven, like, the man's got to provide whatever. And, uh, you know, it's cool to, I, I love, I love giving her that. We, we joke about it when we go out for dinner and stuff and they always hand me the, the bill. And though we have our own little system set up, it's just funny. Cause she's the one that like generally pays, you know, or uses our joint Absolutely. account or whatever. And so it's just funny when they always set it down and we always make like a point to be like, here you go. Like I hand it over to her and, um, but it just permeates through our society. And I, I also really want that, you know, I want to be able to provide and it's just, it's been a challenge myself of having to challenge my own, um, programming in, in whatever way. Um, just as, I don't know, just as this like career driven value person. And, um, I, I feel very similarly, similarly, um, because for so long, I feel like my value was placed in my faith and religion and, uh, what I believed and, and that was just part of who I was, you know, and similar, yeah. I think it's similar to what you're kind of getting to. If we're to get back, maybe, I don't even know what track we're on to be completely honest, Mike. Um, doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me either, but I, I would love to hear, the the direction in which you took to go to Bethel. So, you know, sure. I, I think it's really interesting when you're in high school, whether you, we, we touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but whether you know what you want to do for the rest of your life at 18, 17, 
16 or not, um, were pressured into making a choice and where to go to college and what to do and all these different things. What were those motivations? What were the things that kind of drove you to Bethel? So my senior year, well, junior year, actually, I felt a strong calling into ministry, which just is very evangelical speak. Like I know that doesn't even make sense to a lot of people. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I felt, I felt an inward urging to go into youth ministry and my senior, that changed, like my life, I was always a Christian growing up, but my life dramatically changed and I started to take my faith more seriously my senior year and I knew I wanted to go into youth ministry. Mm. And so I had the opportunity to play college football, several different places. Um, and that was never really an option. Like I went and visited some of those places, but I was yeah. like, I just know this isn't going to happen. Like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to yeah. follow what I think I should be doing, which I think is always a good thing. I'll, you know, re- religion aside, follow what your passions are and what your heart's telling you. I think that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And so I, I did that. And Bethel really was one of the only places that had a strong youth ministry department. I yeah. I went to Huntington. I didn't want to do that. South Bend and Mishawaka were intriguing to me because it was, you know, the big city. I, I didn't want to go to Taylor Upland because it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, right. Um, that is the big and, downfall of that area. <laughs> exactly. It sucks. And, um, yeah, so I, I knew like one other person at the time that was going to go to Bethel. So I didn't know anyone that kind of intrigued me because I was a very social guy. Still am love to meet new people. I was like, you know what? This is going to be kind of an adventure. Let's freaking do this thing. Yeah. So I, I went and visited like twice and I knew I just like, all right, I'm doing this. And that's kind of how I landed there. Yeah. Was the, what was, what was your draw to youth ministry? I wanted to, that's a phenomenal question. I haven't asked that question to myself in years. (laughs) You're welcome. I wanted to, I think at its core, I wanted to walk alongside of people like me Mm -hmm. in high school and or what what then transferred into college, people that I think were misunderstood a lot of times by the church. Yeah. And growing up, um, this is this is not meant to sound egotistical. I swear to you. It's all good. But I ran with the popular crowd, right? And a lot of the churches in my area didn't know what to do with us. I think, mm. and the youth groups in the area. And this is not a knock on people. I hate high school t- stereotypes. It is what it is. They were not the popular crowd, and they. I would say. Not that we weren't welcomed in, but we were always kept at like an arm's distance. Like I don't. This really? isn't. We weren't their target audience. If you want to talk marketing, like we weren't. Yeah. We weren't their target audience, and I was like, "Listen, I want to change that narrative," and so I want to be a part of walking alongside of people that looked like me and acted like me, yeah. um, for the better or worse. And that's that's kind of what drew me in. That's cool. That's interesting. It's interesting to like, so I, I happened into youth ministry. So it's just, I don't know a lot of people that I've talked to that wanted to to go into youth ministry like straight out of high school. I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess there's a few people, but um, I don't know. I, oh I, yeah, man. Like I was, I interned my senior year at our youth, with our youth pastor. I yeah. 
was leading small groups. My first year at Bethel, I had an internship at a church. Like I was 150% in. Yeah, I, I knew you were too. That was why uh, we're getting to it. But that was why our conversation before this podcast kind of got going. It was, again, we're we're <laughs> we're a lot alike um, in, in so many ways. But um, yeah, wow, that's really interesting. When you, so you went to Bethel, you were, like you said, 150% in, you, you had all these internships, um, you went to graduate school and with theology. What was your Bethel experience like, uh, undergrad? So undergrad was phenomenal. I got my first year there. I ended up rooming with a guy named Corey Lance. We both went in blind and we ended up living together all four years. He's still a really good friend of mine. He's doing amazing work in the rougher parts of South Bend. Him and his wife live there. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So I my my time there was nothing short of awesome. Like mm-hmm. everyone everyone can bitch about whatever they want. Everyone yeah. chose to go there for the most part. And yep. nowhere nowhere is perfect. But yeah. man, I mean I remember you I don't know what your thoughts are, but I know you had a hell of a time there too. I you know, so like Yeah. I, to be honest, man, like I, I loved it at the time. I mm-hmm. didn't realize. So I'll, I'll take a couple steps back. And I was going to say this earlier. You've always been more social justice heavy than I used to be. I That stuff didn't necessarily, wasn't even close to being on my radar. I remember yeah. you and Wiltsy and that whole crew being all about like this is this is so cheesy but i feel like you guys introduced me to the toms and you guys sure. introduced me to you know just yeah. all of that stuff which i was oblivious to because yeah. i grew up in Burnham, indiana where we maybe had one person of color right so i was just oblivious to anything outside of white evangelical culture i mm-hmm. felt called to the white evangelical culture church yeah and so bethel was the perfect place for that because that's, that's what it, it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and it's not it doesn't mean to be that it just is that that's the missionary church. That's, that's what it is. And I know there's a ton of diversity there now, um, at Bethel and it's grown in diversity. We have a diversity inclusion department. We, I don't no longer work there. They do. Um, and so it's grown in that it's seen its weaknesses in that. And it's, it's grown there, but for the time being, I didn't care about any of those things. So I, I thought, Hey, this is great. There's a ton of people that look and act like me yeah, and are interested in the same things as I am let's do this thing. And so after college there, I moved away for five years. I went and did youth ministry in my hometown. I took my dream job as a campus life director. Um, at the time I, that was the ministry that had the most impact on me growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do that. My campus life director, um, <laughs> he changed my life and I wanted to be a part of helping change the other kids lives and the narrative around what it means to be, in different so- social circles in my town. And uh, long story short, my wife's grandma died in, what was the year? We'll just say 13. And we went sure. up to Mishawaka South Bend for the viewing and funeral. And Sean Holkren was there, who is the VP of student development at yeah. Bethel. And we talked for about 15 minutes at the funeral. We ended up, uh, this again, sorry to go religious on show. It is what it is. That's my no, life. Go for we, it. we ended up praying with each other. It was an amazing time. And he called me about a week.
week later and said, Michael, I want you to apply to come work at Bethel. And I did. I interviewed. And literally a week and a half later, I had a job uh, at Bethel. And I accepted that. And I, was, I remember calling Lindsay. I was like, hey, are we doing this? Like, are we just going <laughs> to uproot ourselves and just go to Mishawaka South Bend again? Yeah. After we have established ourselves here, like, as the campus life director, as a public figure in Berm, like, are we, we leaving? And sure enough, we did. And so went back to Bethel. That enabled me to get my master's there, which was awesome. I My master's at, ironically, my master's at Bethel led me to continue down the progressive Christianity route and leave even, like, leave being an evangelical. Um, because... One, I took my studies more seriously, which is funny. And two, just the profs I had were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and really, really had me questioning a lot of things. And so my time back at Bethel was, I would say, great too, working there, working with college students. But I was always kind of, and I've always had this a little bit in me, of kind of screw the system. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't agree Likewise. with... <laughs> 90% of what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, but for the longest time, and I still believe this, the best way to implement change is to be a part of it. And so walking alongside of students that were getting kicked out for drinking and saying, Hey dude, like I get it. Um, I think this is garbage too. Um, but you signed up for this, right. but also know that drinking has nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus. Mm. So like those types of conversations that I wish people would have had with my friends um, that I didn't see happening. I wanted to, I don't know. It's so ideological. Like I want to bridge that gap between evangelical bullshit and no, it's okay to be who you are. And so like, I have nothing I take that back. I'm not going to say anything super negative about Bethel because it, I think just like everyone else, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. I, man, there's so much to unpack here. I want to address that. So the Bethel thing, like if I, I've talked about this, like if I was to, to go back, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to go to Bethel, right? Knowing what I know For now sure. and like who I am yeah. today. However, everything that I am today is because of the path that I chose to go down. And man, my best friends are Sam Palumbo and Tony Wiltsey. You know, like those are, those are my dudes. Mm -hmm. And I've got other great friends as well. And, and friends, I, I call my best friends as well, but um, you know, Joel Hartzell, he's another one. Like it's Bethel people are like some of my like best friends. Right. But I, I just like, those relationships, I actually took with a quiz they, a few months ago. They sent out this like Bethel alumni quiz of like, what was the most influential thing of you know your professors, your classes, your faith, your friends, or like the the relationships you build and the relationships. I I, I took part in that. I was like that, and and like you mentioned, you you mentioned this as well with the professors. Man, there are top notch professors at Bethel College that are that are you know, they're because they believe in what they're doing. You know, they could be making money. They could be making, you know, a difference in, in other places if they wanted to, but they're there for a reason. And, you know, I'm sure that the opposite could be said. I have nothing bad to say about Bethel necessarily either. I don't love some of the, 
cultural dogmas that get pushed and whatever and and there's things that i don't oh, enjoy I, I hate it like i i'll be very clear on that i yeah. don't just not like it i hate it yeah okay <laughs> yeah likewise um but uh yeah i mean there's there's benefits like i i know a lot the the friends group that i run around with uh, ran around with in bethel and you know there's very few of them that aren't where you and i are um in life and kind of pushed away from that Christian upbringing, you know, I was, uh, I was a pastor's kid growing up. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I, I, my dad was a pastor for, I think it was like 18 years. And so I was sixth grade whenever he left the ministry and he's not been in the ministry since. And, um, but I grew up in that environment, in that world, you know? And so then it was kind of interesting to go to Bethel and then go kind of back into those foots, like, trace his footsteps in some ways like he went to taylor um you know he went to the he got his uh what's the ministry is it a master's mdiv yeah ah, it's not important but anyway um yeah so it's just interesting to go down that route and i feel like my experience at Bethel allowed me to figure out who I was. And it wasn't sure. at Bethel that I started to question things because of the some, some of the same things that you're talking about. You know, it was those, man, the Bible is, is an interesting thing when you start digging into theology and the Hebrew and the Greek and the, the looking at the, the way it's translated and all these different things. It's like, man, if you don't leave those kind of classes and those different um, lectures and, and talks like with a couple questions in your head, you're blind. Like something's wrong. It's it's interesting because the Bible is way more nuanced than than evangelical culture wants to make it. Yes, that's what I learned. That's I think. I mean, even and I was gonna say I just don't want to shit on evangelical culture the whole time, but I don't really care at this point. <laughs> so the I remember even. I don't know what turned you on to all this stuff. Like blue, like jazz was an entry level point for me. Yeah. And then I That's a common one Shane for people. Claiborne. Yeah. Shane and Claiborne was the one for me. Irresistible revolution. It was really, yeah, uh, Jesus for president. Yeah. Yeah. Irresistible revolution was the one that really, uh, propelled yeah. it. And it was more that like the group that I was running around with Derek Griffey, if you've been listening yeah, to the podcast, sure. you've heard this question, this comment before, but he asked me, why do I believe what I believe? It was a conversation we were having at lunch about God and war and pacifism brought on by <laughs> nice. the irresistible yeah. revolution in the third way, you For know, sure. the, the alternate yeah. way. And we were having this discussion back and forth about this topic. And I just, we we're at odds, I guess. And it was an intense conversation, but it was respectful or whatever. And he was just point blank asked me, but why do you believe that? And I didn't have an answer. And it was like, you know, for someone who always has something smart to say, um, I I didn't have an answer. And I was like, I don't know. And that stuck with me for a long time. And I realized that it was because that's what I've always known, because that's what I was told, because that's what I was taught, not because it's what I believed. It's just what I always knew. And so that started me down that road and kind of deconstructing my faith and figuring out what is it that I actually believe. And, uh, the rest is history, I guess for me, but yeah, it's, it's interesting for for me. It took, it took, 
I don't know what it took to finally make me just like leave evangelical culture, but it was bumping up against those things. I think between my studies and reading and just time and time again, coming up against things that at very best were nuanced at worst, clearly misinterpreted. And what I mean by that is we'll say, let's just take Genesis, for example, like when I was at Bethel, like Dr. Stump, who I have worked with recently um, at BioLogos, they believe in theistic evolution that, that we may have evolved, that there is a place for people in the Christian faith to say, hey, we weren't just magically created in seven days, that Genesis is more of a story as opposed to science. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful way to read the Bible. I, I, I'm going to go back like 15 steps. Yeah. The difference, the shape, I think the thing that changed to me was how we view scripture. Is this a science book that's all literal or is this a book of story, a book of different narratives, a different way to digest what this thing is? And the more I started to realize that this isn't black and white, this isn't a book that is science text, mm-hmm. that started to shape my theology and the way I looked at Christianity in general. And I couldn't live in that structure, in that system that said, it says this here, that's exactly what it means. Well, yeah. you have no context for that. That's actually not what it means. And then... Yeah. That's just what they interpreted to me. And there were, and there were about eight different versions that people threw out there and they just ended up choosing one. (laughs) Yeah. And I just kept seeing it happen more and more and more that, and I, I think I text you this. I felt like my Christian community that preached having this everyone's welcome mentality actually didn't mean that. They, they mm. meant you're welcome if you come and change your mind and believe what we believe. Yeah, and, and that's the I thing. It's that like that. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's uh, this absolute understanding of of what something is versus allowing people to be authentic and genuine. That was my that was my biggest. Um, I don't know the thing that pushed me away the most. To be completely honest, I didn't like learning about the the backside of being a youth pastor and a you know in a church and being a whatever like it's it's this show that you put on to evoke a feeling to get people to do what you want them to do and i didn't like that and i'm not saying that there's a a right way to do that or but i i just didn't like the inauthentic inauthentic like feel to it i i just i'm very much all about being genuine being authentic what's wrong with telling somebody you know what like this is the translation and and telling people the truth i was listening to i saw this little clip on facebook the other day uh and it was something of just a classic you know pastor up there talking and it was a little clip of something that he said and it regardless of what it was that he said it was one of those it was one of those uh, putting words into like a scripture that I'm like, I don't know that that's what that says, you know? And like, I don't yeah. know that I agree with that. And, but like preaching it, like it's the, the only thing that you're to believe and that there isn't an alternate like mm-hmm. idea of what that is. And I don't know. It's just, there's just so much to that, that like really, I really struggle with. And uh yeah, I know. You you mentioned and you you talk about 
you know, your evangelical roots. What does that exactly mean to you? And, and for people that maybe are, are listening that didn't grow up in the church or didn't, you know, don't have that background, what does that exactly mean? And what do you mean by that for, for you? So for me, when I talk about evangelical roots, oh, wow. It's, it's these Christianese words, to... right, that we use all the time, yeah. that like you and I can yeah. have a conversation about this, and it makes sense to us and people that grew up in that in that world, but this is something that I found. I, I'll get, get back to your you having the ability to answer this question, but before I got married, I went out, and I went out into the woods, uh, the Superior Hiking Trail in northern Minnesota, and I spent a week out there, and I just kind of camped and, and got away, and I, my intention was to write my vows and that didn't happen. I, I made some progress, but I got a lot of time to think and hike and, um, just get away for a little bit. But I had these two young guys that came into my camp one night and it was funny cause they, it was, I saw myself in them, you know, it was like classic, like probably you and I both, you know, at the, when we were younger and in college and, you know, like having the the Christian thing to say and the Christian answers and um, mm-hmm. kind of talking about our faith and evangelizing, if you will. Um, but I, I could talk the talk, you know, cause that's, that's our world. And I was able to just kind of pinpoint those like Christianese words where I'm like, okay, but what do you mean by that? Like in, and it was a challenge of in, of like, you're saying all these things and I know what you mean, but how do you think other people know what you mean? Like, no, no idea. My wife didn't grow up in the church. She didn't grow up with religion in general. And one of the things that, you know, she brought up was like, man, there's a lot of incest in, in the beginning of the Bible. Something I never thought about, you know? And it's there, like, there is, there is, if you believe in a literal Genesis. Exactly. Yeah. But how do people know what, you know, like that's how it's pushed. Yeah. Right. And and so it's just interesting to get back to your answer what is it that you call or like, what is your evangelical roots? What is, what does that mean to you? So there's several ways to look at this. There's like the classic definition of evangelical, um, which I actually don't have a fundamental problem with. There's what I've seen evangelical culture turn out to be. And I think that's kind of the morale I want to talk about. Sure. So when I think of classical evangelical, I think a lot of times the religious right and yep. so this is the integration of faith and politics and two yeah. things people don't want to talk about. And I know we'll steer clear of most of that. Um, no, it's, you're, you're fine. You're good. But when I think evangelical culture, I think obviously pro-life. I think um, believing in a literal transition. Tr- sorry, let me say that again. Believing in a literal translation of what the text says in the Bible mm-hmm. and then basing your life off of that. And... Which sounds fine, but that's just not how I view scripture even remotely close. And so I think everything hinges on how you translate scripture. Even So one of my best friends now going back to when I was working at Bethel um, is Josh Hartzell. It's Joel's brother. Yeah. And uh, he's gay, openly gay now. He yep. was working at Bethel at the time. I've actually worked with two people. That, there's probably more. Um, that are so gay many. that were working at Bethel uh, yeah. with me. And I believe this to my core. Our proximity to people 
changes how we view and relate with people. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, I really didn't know any of my best friends that were gay. Like, I knew gay yeah. people, but I wasn't best friends with some of them. Yeah. And so my theology didn't necessarily have to change. I was sitting in a comfortable position of, I grew up this way, it's wrong to do X, Y, Z. Yep. But what happens when one of my best friends who knows more about the Bible and theology than I do? Like, yeah. I know this for a fact because I sat with him in master's classes and yeah. he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, he's so smart. Says, hey, I'm gay and I think there's space for me at the table. Yeah. Well, holy shit, my mind has to shift. Or, yeah. Or, or I double down on what I believe. Right. And so, for me, it's what... It, for me, leaving evangelical culture and what it means to be evangelical, it's just, I think Romans talks about this. It's like the renewing of your mind. That's what I think that that actually is, is just the continual learning and yeah. living in that gray, that third that third way of life is not so rigid. There's, there's so much more grace. And so it's an interesting thing that we hold, evangelicals hold, think they hold like, all the greats in the world except for the people they disagree with. Right. Right. And I just, I just have no space for that anymore. And I'll say this though. And I, I'm not shitting on all evangelicals because they're the most loving and caring people that I know. Um, yeah, I know I'm talking tongue in cheek, but this is my family. Right. So how do I reconcile those things? Yeah. This is the 81% that voted for Trump in the last election. Yeah. The people that I love, that's 81% of evangelicals voted for Trump. Yeah. So how do I reconcile these things that they see complete, They see the world from completely different angles than I do? Yeah. I have to go back to the, what I said earlier. Like, I really do think people are doing the best they can with what they know. I and agree. I've got to have that perspective where I'm just going to continue this shit on people. And it's hard. It's really hard. And welcome to this podcast, because in so many ways, that's what I want this to be, is to see, to be able to tell people's story in a way that in a media driven uh, environment, you know, again, you're not on social media, but social media is prevalent. Almost everyone has it, right? Um and we're, we're in it, we're watching videos, we're watching a bunch of different things. And why not be able to just tell people's story and give people proximity to different ideas and thoughts and see that we're more alike than we are different, regardless of our sure. sexual orientation and, and whether whether we're a you know, Republican or Democrat or you know, we're whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter at the end of the day. We're so divided these days. And I want to be able to find those commonalities and be able to find and have those conversations with people that believe in things that are different than me. Oh, you hear that? That's my uh, pooch. He's dreaming. (laughs) I have uh, roll-up socks that I keep next to my podcast whenever he starts dreaming. Yeah. So I can throw them at him. That's amazing. Hey, wake up, dude. He's uh, my co-host, Chancey Poo. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's really going for it right now. Um, but yeah, so and, and that's like that's what I want this podcast to be. That's what I want to be able to to create is having short stories for people to be able to watch a twenty minute video on someone, and they just get to learn about who they are. 
Um, and this again, this is going to be tongue in cheek, I think. But so I left. I left the religious right for the liberal con- Christian left, and it's literally the same shit, just disguised differently. Yeah. And I realized, like, th- I'm just leaving one echo chamber f- echo chamber for another. Like, th- the Christians on the liberal left think they are better, think they know more. Think- yeah. It's just, it's literally the same thing, just differently. This division, so you, this they're wrong, the I'm right. And then the other side says, yeah, I'm right, they're wrong. And it's, it's insane. It's just stupid and instead so, of like, working together. Yeah. And so, like, I've really gravitated towards people like uh, Richard Rohr, who, I don't know if you've heard of Richard. Yeah. Um, he's a Franciscan monk, Catholic, like, just in, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really grounded me, I, I think, um, I hope. <laughs> and, and really, when you can, I'll say this, uh, I think when you are able to call out the bullshit in your own system, you've realized, and I hate to use this word because it sounds pretentious, you've transcended a little bit out mm. of that system. So if you can you can say, hey, listen, I agree and I identify with a lot of the stuff going on here, but there's a lot of bullshit here, and we yeah. have to talk about that. Yeah. I, I look at cancel culture, like, and I know this is not going to be popular with uh, your liberal listeners or whatever, which is a problem even in general just saying that. Yeah. Um, but we are so quick to crucify anyone that does anything wrong there's no grace in that i agree i hate that i hate it so much you shouldn't hold people accountable but at the same time like when when is when is someone not canceled Uh, so today yesterday actually i don't know if you know who john christ is it doesn't even know he he came out there's a ton of like sexual charges that were thrown against not even charges like he's a comedian that was sexting a ton of people using his power and influence, which is awful to hook up with people. Yep. But how long is he canceled for? See, this is a question I've been asking, asking too. I didn't know it was called cancel culture. Uh, yeah, it's like, there's gotta be a road to redemption. How do you, how do you redeem yourself? And, and it's this idea. Yeah. And it's this idea. It it goes, maybe it is the, the liberal side of things. I, I never, I just, I don't even know what I believe and what I don't and what, what I am when I'm not most times. But, um, but I look at that as well. When I, when I look at whether you, if you side with, if you agree with one thing, somebody says, then you're that person, right? You're that group. You're in this tribe over here. And it's like, you're, you're like giving, the okay for them to do the things they've done, even if it's bad and, and it's vice versa, right? Like it's, and it's just so silly. It's like, why can't, why can't you be friends with someone you disagree with? Why can't you, this is my whole point, right? Like, why can't you, this redemption, being able to, man, I've made a lot of dumb mistakes in my life. I've, I've screwed up. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. Right. And that's something that, I have to deal with and I have to whatever, but like, am I those things? Am I that? Right. Is no. that, that what and, I am forever? Like you. And why the hell should Mary on Twitter have an opinion and get to have an opinion on your recovery from that? It's just mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like who cares what social media has, to, but people do. And it does matter because 
a lot of things happen because of what people have done via social media. It's it's crazy. It's going to have to shift. I would it if you haven't to. listened to Bill Burr's uh, new stand up on Netflix. I have actually. He, he's <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. It's Bill phenomenal. Burr, <laughs> if you want to get someone asked me the other day on Twitter, like where where this is going to sound so heretic. It's fine. <laughs> where do I get a lot of my theology, or how do I get a pulse on culture? Yeah. And a lot of times, I think comedians have such an amazing pulse for the bullshit of culture. Oh. That if you listen closely 100%. to what they say, they're on the cutting edge of where that lies. And he talks about cancel culture. He talks about yep. politically correctness. Yep. All these things are good. Like, I'm a proponent of politically correctness. It basically means you can't be an asshole to people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And I hear, why can't I say gay anymore? Well, I don't know, dude. Just be a freaking nice human. You're, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. But... At the same time, just like anything, the pendulum can swing so far. Mm-hmm. And I think it has. And fast. Um, everyone's just trying to outwoke each other. Yeah. And I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it's batshit crazy out yep. there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. And I just treat each other with kindness. Be Try yeah, to leave man. the world a better place than you, than you left it. And that's more so... Uh, my religious view than it is anything and you know I, I've got other views but like at the end of the day like I don't I don't care about heaven and hell I don't care if I'm going to one or the other I don't know if it exists anyway and so I'm just gonna try to be the best version of myself that I can be that helps other people around me and you know I think that we're way more connected and way more uh, way more yeah, connected. That's the best way. I, I have a feeling you've probably listened to The Power of Myth or watched it on um, by Joseph Campbell. I So I'm just starting to tap into Campbell. Like I have his thousand. Yeah, his I have it too. Book, it's, so, it's so thick and so heavy. Yeah. Um, watches watches uh, either his Netflix. He's got a, the same, like the... The Power of Myth is on Netflix, okay. or there's an audiobook as well. I've li- I've watched mm-hmm. the slash listened to the uh, Netflix version twice now, uh, just straight wow. through. It's it's so dense, but it's like what it's on par with everything we're talking about. It's on par with like our evangelical the dogmas of the evangelical church and um, this idea that. Um, you know, this non-literal translation, you know, type thing. And um, I don't know. There's just a connectedness I, that I believe that living things, we just have a, a connected, we're way more connected than we understand and know and believe. And maybe that's a hippy dippy view, but that's just something that I believe. And um, I don't know. I just, I think that there's more to focus on than like the, what I believe, what I don't believe, it's just like doing, <laughs> you know, and, and it kind of goes back to my college days. I mean, the social justice things of like, man, I just want to, I want to take care of people. There's people that need help. Why not help them? Why not be a part of that? Yeah. Um, why not? And that's, I, that's probably a lot of the reason why I left evangelical culture was because of the doing, like we can hold close to all these beliefs, but how's that working out? Yeah. Like how how is that helping anything? How so? 
we'll just look at homosexuality, for example, yeah. like the gay culture, the suicide rate is through the roof, the homeless rate is through the roof inside the church. Yeah. And so you can say we believe these things, but it's literally freaking killing people. Yeah. So like, okay, believe these things, but it's not doing anything to help further whatever it is mission you're thinking you're a part of. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it goes back to what you were saying, um, you know, with, with Josh and, you know, f- learning that he's gay and being like, well, I can double down or I can go a different direction, but why would you double down against something that like you've been friends with him for how long, you know, like now because of your views, like he hasn't changed. He's the same person, right? Nothing's changed. You just know something that yeah. you didn't know before. You know, I want and, to be clear. I hate, I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but he's a dick. But I love him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Josh, I hope you're listening. And if you're listening, I hope he is too. He's probably going to text me after this and say you're a bitch. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, he needs to come on. I want to have him on one of these days too. I would love I, to. Hey, I'll connect you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but it's just interesting when you when you look at that. It's the proximity like you were talking about. And I, when we understand, and even when you invite these groups of people, you understand it, you conceptualize it, of what the message of Jesus is, right? Of like, love your neighbor, love the people that are marginalized, blah, 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 blah. But then when they're, when they're in front of you, because you know what they are, now you, you look at them and you treat them differently than you would anybody else. For sure. And I just don't like that. I think that that's the inauthentic part that I have trouble with. I don't think that you're, the church is a welcoming place. I think the church is a, is a like fit our box or get out kind of place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I want to, and not to ruffle feathers or disagree, but I think there, there are churches that do fit those molds. And I think there are places doing amazing work. So while it sounds like we both had, and I wouldn't even say I've had traumatizing experiences with the church. It's just, it's yeah. been a gradual, it's been a gradual thing. I don't want to throw the baby out with a bathwater per se, because I, I do see goodness and life coming from different bodies Sure. that just so happen to be churches. Well, and I, I think that, I think religion has its place. I, I think that whatever that is, I think that like, man, if that's what you need to be the best version of yourself, to be a better person, then please, you know, like do that. But I don't, I don't feel that that fits me personally. Like I I don't say the big, the big shift for me was realizing that it doesn't take a religion to make us good. I I believe that we're inherently all good and it's just us tapping into who we were created Mm. and we were created inherently with worth inherently good we weren't broken. We weren't things that needed to be fixed. We are good. Yeah. And I think that was a big shift for me. That's great. That's awesome. When did you shift into, when did you take this path down? Um, where, what you're doing now with your, with your company. Oh, I forget what it's called. I'm sorry. That's fine. Truth work media. So let's, Truth let's shift. Team. Yeah. Let's shift more to work stuff. Um, and I know we're coming up on our time. Uh, the, so when I was at Bethel, my second year or my second time around working there, 
I connected with a former professor, then colleague, Dr. Terry Linhart. Yep. And it was one one of my goals. I wanted to have a podcast, and this guy was a doctor in youth ministry. Still is incredible dude. Love him. Talk to him all the time. Yep. Um, still. And I was like, dude, let's start a podcast. And we were driving up to O'Hare. I was dropping him off with some kids that are going to go to Africa. And he's like, you know what? Let's do it. And so we, I think we ordered equipment like within a week. And we had no idea what the hell we were doing. Yeah. Um, we just Googled how to start a podcast, basically. And we hit the ground running. I had to learn how to use all the equipment. Our first studio was in... Um, which is now the media center, Benton House. I don't know if you remember Benton. It was in the basement of Benton House. And you could hear, every time a toilet would flush, you could hear that on our recordings because the pipes <laughs> went through that recording studio. Just totally garbage. Yeah. But we did this for like four years straight. Nice. And I started to notice a pattern of, there was several people that asked me how to do this. Mm. And then I thought maybe I could make some money helping people. And so I did that for a client and then I did that for another client. And then I had this like inkling inside of me, like, man, maybe I could quit my job and try to do this full time. I had one active client when I quit, which is insane. And yeah. I would say stupid, but <laughs> I, I'm, enough arrogant and silly and dumb to not think failure was an option. I want to be very clear to people listening out there because you'll hear this a lot of places that if you think failure is not an option, it's not. That's bullshit. Failure is 100% always an option. Yep. Um, like you could make no money. You did not succeed. That You could fall flat on your face. All of those things are very possible. Yep. Um, and more likely than not in so many ways. For sure. But I <laughs> I, I think that's okay. I think people get more scared of failing than they do from trying to start and launch something. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try. The, yeah. the pain of staying where I was, I believe that, I mean, this is, this is philosophical, this is theological, this is, something has to disrupt where you are and mm. it has to be more uncomfortable for you for you to naturally make a decision to do something. And so my decision to stay was going to be more uncomfortable than it was to go and launch something. Yeah. And I was like, screw it. If I fail, I fail. Um, we're going to try this thing. And I launched, I created my own website cause I was doing some website builds for people. I was fine tuning that craft. What do you as use? Well. And we, uh, we, I use WordPress and then we use a couple builders. Cool. Um, and man, I, I, to be honest, like I need to go back and track how this has even, because we've the first year there or the first year out, I wanted to make what I made at Bethel, which turns out was not a lot of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to make a lot of money, don't go in the ministry, especially don't go work at Christian colleges. Yes. Um, yes. I'm very familiar with that through people that I know that have and do work there. So, and I want to be very clear. My intention with starting this business was never money driven. That's I, nothing I've ever done has been money driven because I mean, I've made up until I left Bethel, I was never making over $30,000 a year as a working professional with a master's degree. Yeah. I've, I've never made insane. over $32,000 a year. That's the most I've ever made in my life a year in a year. 
So, so I get it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. There's, I don't either. But that year I had the goal of hitting, I wanted to make what I made at Bethel. And I did that within six months and I was like, Whoa, what is going on? Whoa. And then the next year, yeah, the next year. And again, again, I don't care about numbers. They're just a decent metrics to see if yeah. my business is doing okay. Absolutely. The next year I won the double. I did that. And this is year three. And I wanted to do more than double. I don't know that we're going to quite hit that, but we're, we're on pace to, we're, we're doing well. Um, Look at you. That's awesome. Kind of nice job. Thanks, man. Like, I have like six to seven people I general contract out. I just had a little staff retreat I went on. Um, it's It's been fun growing this thing. And just I just had the opportunity. We pitched, um, shoot, I'm blanking the name. It's a car company. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe. We'll just say Lexus. It wasn't Lexus. I can't remember the name of the stinking car company. That's going to bother the shit out of me. But oh. they were in LA and they called my um, guy that does sales and they're like, uh, hey, we're Lexus and we would like a podcast proposal from you guys. We went through the process and he was like, so like you own a couple of dealerships or what's going on? They're like, no, I don't think you understand. We're Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> this is the headquarters in LA. And he's like, oh my gosh. And so we're, we're starting to become more relevant in the business space. Yeah. We're currently working with a Fortune 500 company. Our goal is to infiltrate that space more and more and more. And so it's been it's, – it's crazy, dude. Like I, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't understand how it's working. I wake up every day and I'm like I, I want to cherish and squeeze every moment of this yeah. because you know, business owners know, and I don't think it ever goes away, like – I could wake up next month and have made zero dollars and then what? And what happens when one month turns into a year? You know, I don't have an answer for what's next. It's what's in front of me and I'm going to just continue to double down and triple down on that and try to grow this thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. For for people listening, um, we've kind of mentioned that you – but what all do you do within your business? Like what does your business handle? Yeah, great question. So we'll, we'll just focus on podcasting here real quick. Sure. Um, I, we do everything from, we say from conception to iTunes. We're really a storytelling company. Our motto is very similar to yours. It's everyone has a story. Your story needs a podcast. Yeah. Um, we kind of shifted that a little bit, um, for branding purposes, but we, we work with people and coach them to flesh out their ideas and then we walk them through basically a startup kit I've created on what equipment to get, how to record, how to capture good audio. And then we train them to send us the audio and we edit and produce everything and push that out to iTunes, Google, everywhere you can get your podcast. Gotcha. So it's really it's your it's really one-stop, one-stop shop. shop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's for awesome. people that have resources that want to have a podcast that have no idea how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's cool. Not worth yeah. Cause it's, the the backside like people hear it i do three three a week you know and mm-hmm. that's a lot man. it's a lot yeah and man it's, it's there's there's corners right there's like things that you can do i mean i i've taken the editing part out of it right so like i mm-hmm. don't have as much of that backside stuff but there's still a, a chunk of things that 
take place. And I've tried to like audit my time, you know, a little bit. And when you audit your time per podcast, it's like really interesting because there's like prep, you know, like I, a mental prep, there's a physical prep, uh, to a podcast. There's the closing out. There's the, from the creation of your title to your description, to your hashtags, to, you know, the different ways I use SoundCloud as well. And so my RSS feed doesn't feed into that. So I have to do that separate to, um, which pushes to my website and, you know, just different things. So there's just different like components and pieces to it. And that alone is, is a lot of work in in so many ways. It's not a 40 hour work week for those three, but it's still a good chunk of work. And, uh, to finding your guests, to communicating with your guests, to, um, you know, being, just creating a, a, a quality product and knowing what you're what you're gonna do and so that's really cool that you guys do all of those things. Um, yeah, so yourself. basically we would we we take a lot of that weight off the people's shoulders so they can just focus on press and record, and yeah. we do everything else for people. So it's it's kind of a niche marketplace. There's there's obviously people doing what we do, but it's not there's not a lot and. It's just been great. Podcasts continue to rise in popularity. Like yeah. I know, there's the market. People are like the market's super saturated. It is, but man, we there's still so many people that don't even listen to podcasts yet. Yeah, I but know. I believe That's it's the... the best, one of the best mediums to communicate story, to communicate just anything. It's just such a great way to consume content. Where do you think the future is going with podcasting? That's a great question. I. I don't know for sure. I, I could see it's an interesting space and I, I read up and listen to this quite often as it's my job now. Yeah. Um, people talked about going to subscription models, but that's never been the core at the core of what podcasting is. It's about getting yeah. content out there for free for people. Right. And so I don't know that people would pay a subscription model for NPR. Um, right. They might if it's really good, but that's never been. And just is that like luminosity been, or it can is it, be? Is it lum- yeah, yeah. Like theirs is subscription based, which it's like higher named type people. Um, For sure. The there's like the the subscription where it's uh, like through Patreon and stuff like that. Yep. I I just but yep. those even have it's like you got to have a specialty thing. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of outside of that. Like, I've looked at that of like, how do, how do I make money with this right now? You know, like I'm new, I'm young. I just got to keep at it. It's got to continue to grow, I believe. But, um, but like, I'll tell you what I tell all my clients. It's consistency over time. Yep. You just got to put time in, you got to go and you got to do it. And That's... if you're doing a podcast to make money, you're doing the wrong thing. It's yeah. the, your podcast should not be what you hope to make money on your yeah. podcast. It's just, it's high level marketing. It's an entry to your brand. It's an entry yeah. to who you are. Yeah. Um, unless you're freaking Joe Rogan who makes right. like 65 grand each episode. You're not, you're not Joe Rogan. I'm no. not Joe Rogan. No one listening to this is even close to Joe Rogan. No, probably so never will be. You're, yeah, you're, you're doing this. It's, it's literally just marketing. Yeah. And I, I 100% support that and agree with you. Um, but it's just or inter- fun. Like you can do it for fun too. Like I, you know, I have plenty of shows that are just fun. Yeah. 
I like that. Like I, I listen to I listen to like a fantasy football podcast and their their show is the perfect one to have. They have a little Patreon, like their specialty, you know, go deeper, get more, get extra. But like yeah. this podcast will never be that. You know, there's nothing extra, there's nothing special at this moment at least that will ever be like come on in, you know, like <laughs> like here's an extra little bit, uh whatever it is. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, I think you know, podcasting has kind of replaced the radio. It's replaced like talk radio in some ways. And um, I don't know where the future is either. It'll be interesting to see how that things kind of develop and, and unfold. Well, I love it. Mike, tell everybody how they can find your website, how they can find your services and uh, what, what, what they need to do in order to get connected with you if they're interested. Yeah, you can find our website at truthworkmedia.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelYoder81 if you're interested in. Um, I tweet a lot about, right now, my mayor is running for president of the United States, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have a Pete podcast that we do following him, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Just got to second in the Iowa polls, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, so we, yeah, that's it's a lot of former evangelical tweets and Mayor Pete tweets. So if you're into those things, it's a very niche audience, but come join the ride. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll tag you on social media when we, when we post this podcast. Awesome, man. All right, man, I'm going to close things out. I really appreciate, uh, you coming on the podcast and, and chatting and, and talking about your life a little bit and your evangelical roots and, and how you've gotten to where you are today. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I hope this was beneficial for someone. Uh, yeah. You know, I hope someone can connect with this and, it, you know, hopefully take something good away from this. Absolutely. I agree. I hope, I hope the same thing. All right. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show today, visit us on Facebook and Instagram where you can like and comment on our post. If you want to go above and beyond, please share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends and family. Or just random strangers on the street are welcome to everyone. Once again, please visit crazyfaceuno.com. There you can buy our merchandise and donate. Your contributions help us share more stories like Mike's and stories just like yours. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. We love you all. Peace!